And so we have a whole uh, you know business plan mapped out uh, as to how to do that and get there. But you're right, you know we do need to network and we do need to leverage people that um, you know have expertise in this area. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. The pandemic created significant disruptions around the world, leaving many industries scrambling for solutions. In the last two years, there's been a decline in college enrollment, leading to these institutions as well as families searching for answers. We often hear that there's so much money yet not claimed by students every calendar year. But the truth is, most of these students and families don't know how to grab this money. It's the imagery of having a delicious apple just out of your reach. You know you want it, but you can't quite get there. Today, my twin and I are pleased to be joined by a leader within the college prep space. He's going to share his insight into not only how he helps families avoid the stress of how they can afford college, but also give us some thoughts about his own entrepreneurial journey. Stephen Ampersand has served in several roles throughout his career in higher education, specifically within enrollment management and student affairs. He is the founder and managing partner of Turn the Tassel Consulting Group, a private college planning and advising firm. He also teaches public speaking and interpersonal communications which is another reason why we had to have Steve join us. Steve, welcome to Twins Talk It Up. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Appreciate being on with you today. This is Danny. From time to time, Dave and I will make sure that we chime in. And when we do, we'll make tell you who's actually speaking. We are actually in the middle. I don't know how long this health pandemic is going to keep going on. But, you know, it is one of the biggest factors that's, that has contributed to the decrease in college enrollment. Not only are we having a a pandemic about mass exodus of people leaving work, but we're also having a decrease in college enrollment. How much of this decrease is a direct correlation of the strength of the economy? There seems to be an increase of both high school students and postgraduates questioning the value of a higher degree. Has it affected this drop in enrollment? What are your thoughts on that? Sure. Well, I I think a couple of things. First thing I would say is that, um, you know, you have to understand there was a decline, a, a regular consistent decline in enrollment in higher education, really beginning in about 2010 and 11. Um, the Obama administration came in 2008, made a big push and emphasis on higher education. And for two years, the first two years of his administration, you saw this giant swell of enrollments. It was a combination of the uh, administration's push to get people into college and training. It was uh, also a combination of the Gen X uh, group kind of going back uh, as a working adults, in addition to the traditional age um, students that were coming in at that time. So you had this huge influx. But 
every year after that, uh, from about 2011 forward, you would see nationally about a 3% decline in enrollments around the nation. And so um, by the time we got to 2019, just before the pandemic hit, you know, higher education as a as an industry, if you will, um, as a sector, had seen regular declines all the way down. Part of that had to do with the uh, you know reduction, if you will, in available students. Right. So so our generation had fewer children than the baby boomers who had us. And so um, numbers wise, there are fewer students. Um, then you have the whole college readiness piece as far as who was academically prepared and ready to go to college and succeed. Um, and then you had the, you know, economy and, and all those pieces. So, you know, to be fair, enrollment was consistently declining, leading all the way up to the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit and it was like an atom bomb. It, it just um, shut everything down, as we all know. And enrollments really, you know, hit double digit losses and declines. So um, it has played a major role in the decline in enrollment nationally, but um, it really exacerbated a problem that higher education has had really for about a decade. Steve, without getting too much into asking what can they do, because they didn't hire me as a consultant, and that's partly what you're there for. I've got to ask you, this pandemic has been interesting. For our listening audience that don't know, this is David. I've got one student in college and one high school senior. And I remember speaking with you, Steve, about my daughter going to college. And this pandemic really threw a wrench into her first two years of college. And I will say that there has to be this desire for families to want to know more about how to navigate those waters. And there's this hope that we're getting through this, what we call, um, challenging period, things are going back to a sense of normal, maybe this is the new normal. And I would imagine that there's going to be an increase in enrollment as evidenced by my son wanting to go to college. So Steve, I've got to ask this question is, what's the difference for the audience that are out here listening with students in high school between scholarships and financial aid? And what are specific steps and realistic expectations for families that are looking for that money? Um, sure. What would be your thoughts on the difference? Sure. So um, uh, I'm going to say that financial aid is an umbrella. And under that umbrella of financial aid are grants, scholarships, and self-help aid, which is typically work, study, and student loans. Right. So financial aid is the umbrella, different kinds of aid underneath. The uh, scholarships are exactly as they sound. The root word is scholar. So um, those are monies that are gifted to students who, uh, for one reason or another, either academically or sometimes um, athletically, um, come with um, you know, excellent grades or excellent athletic ability and thus get a scholarship to study um, and bring those skills to that institution. Uh, then you have grants. And grants are typically afforded to students that have demonstrated need. So the Pell Grant is a, a federal grant that um, anyone can qualify for if they make under a certain amount of income and or their household size to income ratio is low enough to qualify. For those that are having or experiencing extreme poverty, they, there's a, a SEOG grant. I won't get into the acronym. It's a long one. That's why they made it SEOG. But um, that also goes in tandem with the Pell Grant. And again, it's for folks with extreme need. 
the student loan programs um, are can be a combination of things. It could be a uh, private student loan that comes from a private sector bank, um, but most of them today are direct loans from the U.S. Department of Education, i.e. the government, and those tend to be subsidized, which means when they disperse that money, they the government is paying the, the, the interest that's accruing on it when it's dispersed, and then the unsubsidized, which is exactly, exactly the opposite. You literally, the moment they disperse that money, the interest begins to accrue. So that, in a nutshell, is the landscape of financial aid. Steve, this is Dave again. Let me, let me ask you to look at this perspective. I'm a student, but I'm not valedictorian. I'm not a 4.0 student. Um, how can I find those scholarships? Is it best for me to wait until I get into a school or get accepted to a school to start looking for scholarships? Or can I start looking for money before I even get accepted into the college of my choice? You can begin looking for scholarship monies as early as your freshman year in high school, and I encourage everybody to do so. Uh, deadlines range anywhere from March all the way up to June, and uh, they typically want a, an application with some kind of an essay talking about how you qualify or why you should be chosen. And I encourage people to get one really good essay written, reviewed, and proofed and ready to go so that you can literally change out names and, you know, uh, scholarship or, you know, donors named, if you will, and fire those off to several hundred, if not thousands. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes on Facebook and other uh, social media sites, you'll get those um, posts that talk about how this individual was able to land $3 million in scholarships, right? Um, those stories are always cool and neat to see. But those folks, what you don't see is that they've made like hundreds and sometimes thousands of scholarship applications to get that money. So um, I encourage everybody, start early and do as many as you humanly can, because um, the worst thing that can happen is they come back and they say no. Best case scenario, if you put out a thousand applications and you only get a hundred people to come back and say, we're going to give you scholarship money, you're going to be sitting pretty for school. So it sounds fantastic. I mean, to be able to apply for a thousand uh, different scholarship applications and receive all that money, man. I don't know why a firm uh, like yours is not constantly being busy during the application season for seniors and juniors. Uh, so I guess all the parents want to know. I want to know. My kids aren't old enough. Dave's kids are. When would it make sense for a family to hire you and your firm? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why 
at Meetup and DSP Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. So I would say um, the the optimum time to bring on uh, a consultancy like ours, Turn the Tassel Consulting Group, would be around the junior year. Um, there are lots of organizations out there that can do college prep, college readiness work, um, and certainly we can as well. But our focus and emphasis is on getting you to and through college early or on time with minimum to no debt. And so really that process begins at about the junior year where we can help you figure out where pre-SATs and SATs may fit into that equation, where and how um, choosing your major and what you want to do with your credential, um, helping you to figure out what that is and when to execute on that as far as the institutions around you or institutions that are going to be at the best price point for you based on your household income, et cetera. Um, I would say junior year is about the time to start having those conversations so that you can get a head start and lead into your college career. This is Danny. And, you know, every business should have a powerful message. This is their why. And everyone knows that Simon Sinek speaks everywhere. He's always talking about having a why. And, you know, this is a problem they're solving. This is often their value proposition. It's clear that you're passionate about supporting families, and this fuels your drive. Tell us how this became your why and why you are really excited about helping family members get the scholarships they need to reduce the financial burden for their children going to college. Sure. Glad to do it. So um, for those, uh, obviously, you guys know me, but uh, many folks hearing this don't. You know, I grew up um, in extreme poverty, and uh, my mother uh, was the uh, second oldest child of sharecroppers in uh, Virginia, and she represented the first high school graduate in our family. Um, I, today, presently represent the first college graduate in our family. But that said, uh, you know, we were homeless uh, when I was uh, in middle school, and it was education, really, that helped me to kind of rise out of my dire circumstances. And I had good mentors as well that really guided me along the way. Um, I got through high school, top 10% of my class. I got accepted to five different colleges. All of them but one were out of state. I was in New Jersey at the time. And I chose to go to a college in um, Philadelphia, Temple University, great school. 
but, you know, I made all the mistakes that you make when you don't know what to do and how to do, right? So I left my home state of New Jersey, which meant I left all of my state aid in New Jersey to go out of state to attend an out-of-state state school, paying almost three times the tuition and fee rate of the folks who actually lived in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, I ran out of money midway through my sophomore year and had to leave school. I took out loans. They went into default. I had to rehab those loans, get them out of default just to get access to my transcripts, just to be able to take those to then go on and, and uh, enroll somewhere else. And finally, after a decade, I managed to graduate with my bachelor's degree and it was a real victory, but it also took me 10 years. You know, a bachelor's degree is a four-year degree. So there's no reason why it should take you, you know, 10 years to do that. I tell people all the time, the national average time to complete a college degree in this country is six years. That's why you have the 600% rule with Pell Grant. You have 150% rule with the student loan programs and on and on and on. The point is, a four-year degree has become a six-year degree in this country because many people don't know that if you're not taking the right number of credits that count towards your major and you don't execute a plan to get to and through, you're immediately on the five-year plan if you do 12 credits a semester. I mean, you need 15 credits a semester just to get to the 120 semester hour credits that you need to get a degree conferred, and you have to get a C or better average. I learned all these lessons the hard way. And so it took me more than it took me literally 250% of the time that it should take to complete school. So because that was my experience and because I was able to persevere through all of that, I've really dedicated my professional life to helping families and students learn from the mistakes that I made. And so I've done that professionally in the various roles I've served in over the years. And ultimately, I uh, decided to uh, start Turn the Task of Consulting Group in 2015 because I realized that good, bad, or indifferent, colleges and universities backdoor benefit from students meandering through their halls. They don't benefit when students graduate on time as they do when students take longer to finish because they pay more money, room, board, books, supplies, tuition fees. So... I recognize that there was a, a large need for support through college to complement the various organizations that support people getting to college. This is David. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and, and so many questions are flooding my mind right here that I want to just throw out to you and ask you. And, and I'm going to probably just only ask two as we continue our conversation you talk about all these students. I've heard you share in a presentation before, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the average academic advisor has to work with a, around 300 students. And so you've got to imagine that some of these students get lost through the crack somehow. And this, the, this leads to why they're taking school and have an extra year of school or two extra years of school. And it also could be just the stubbornness of these kids. It could be not understanding what they're getting involved with. So I know that that's gotta be challenging for each academic advisor to say, how do I stay on top of 300 kids? And then the, the second question I had was, you mentioned advisors. And I know this is a different generation, but in the generation where we grew up, we had people in our lives giving us advice, guiding us in what we were doing. I've had professors say, David, young man, if you don't just get this focus right now, you're going to be in school another year. I'm like, oh, 
I, I was like, okay, you're right. I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. And I, I even remember taking a class I didn't want to take. And it was, David, you need to finish this class in order to graduate. It's a requirement. And you don't want to put this off, get it done. And it was, it was great to have it. So, so what are your thoughts on these kids? I understand that some of them go in not understanding that they've got to take 15 credits. They've got to get the C average, but also with the load that each academic advisor has. And then secondly, um, what about guidance and mentorship? Yeah, great. So um, really the advisement piece is the piece that uh, prompted me to start Turn the Task Consulting Group because um, it, right now the gold standard is about one advisor to 350 students. That's the gold standard. And a lot of uh, people don't know, but you're also not usually getting just a complement of professional advisors. Oftentimes colleges and universities are also relying on faculty members um, and other staff and administration to be advisors to offset, you know, the, the, the ratios. So you're getting a varied experience depending on which kind of advisor you get. And so, I mean, I'll, I'll just say for myself, I saw my advisor in the one and a half years I was at Temple. At that time, they had an enrollment of about 30,000 students. I saw my advisor two times in a year and a half. And that's a typical experience for many students. I took classes that I did not need and didn't know I didn't need them because I didn't have the advisement to say, well, this is in your program and this isn't right. So um, I, I think when you're you know, just in a practical way, when you've got at, at best 300 students to keep track of, many have upwards of 1100 or more, right? Um, the quality of the advisement that you're going to receive is going to be diminished by the load that these advisors have and their quotas as far as how many folks they have to contact and touch in order to stay employed, right? So they're going to move pretty quickly with you. Turn the tassel doesn't do that. We give you a one-to-one -one ratio, and I won't get into the nuts and bolts of how we do that, but I'll just tell you subcontracting is a beautiful thing. Um, that said, um, when it comes down to, um, you know, having mentorship, um, I don't give myself a lot of credit for, for much. I think much of what I've enjoyed as far as success in my life has come from uh, blessings from God and just really being, um, um, you know, in the right place in many respects at the right time. Uh, but one thing I do take credit for is the fact that even as a young man, I've always been willing to listen. And I think that's the piece that I see missing from young people today is, um, you know, when I was in ninth grade and we had just come back from being homeless for the previous three years, my sister and I, we're twins as well, um, we, you know, were in four different middle schools um, over the course of those three years. And when we got to high school, they took one look at our transcripts and saw the different schools and whatnot, and they just assumed that we were academically underprepared and put us in remediation. But I have a friend and mentor. Um, his name is Terry Parker. He's 82 years old, and he lives in Florida now. He's an architect. Uh, but Terry knew me before we became homeless, and he knew me after once we got back on our feet. And he said, um, so, Stephen, what classes are you in this fall? And I said, I don't know. And I gave him my schedule. He's like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing in these classes? And again, I'm like, oh. He's like, you're a smart young man. Like, you get your mom 
go down to the guidance office, have them put you in the AP classes because you can do that work. And I said, okay. My mom was working for Pfizer in East Rutherford, New Jersey at that time. And so um, she got home from work third shift in the morning. And I told her, hey, Terry said we need to go change my classes. We went down to the school. They changed my classes. And then I went on to graduate in the top 10% of my class. He was right. But if I had just dismissed it and or just, you know, didn't follow instructions, who knows how it would have turned out. And I think just being willing to let someone speak into your life who has experience and wisdom and, frankly, who can see you better than you can see you, yes. you can go so much further if you do that. Stephen, this is Dave. I, and I'll tell you that I'm so thrilled to hear you share your story. There are so many kids out there that don't know what to do. They don't know how to go about getting to that next step in their own lives, thinking about their collegiate career, thinking about their personal and professional career, and to have somebody there to say, you got to go back to the school with your mother and you are capable of doing this work. You are able to do this. And the graduate top 10% of your class is amazing. And I want to share this for our listening audience. Danny, my twin, helped start this group, the Black Channel Partner Alliance. There's so many companies out here that are really doing their best to just grow. And I think about my own business. It took me a couple of years just to even try to figure out what I'm doing and just to understand what would work, what doesn't work. I'm buying this system, buying that program, spending money on this activity and that activity. And I, and I feel like I'm going nowhere. And to be able to come into a group where you have mentors and advisors say, David, this is the best way to go. Consider this totally shortens the one way. It completely helps. And that's why I really appreciate the Black Channel Partner Alliance because they're designed to help Black tech business owners to navigate those waters, build alliances, to shorten that runway, to help them find that success. You saw this in the educational space as a student. Now you're providing that for families. And this is what Dan has done for businesses. So there is a direct correlation to what Absolutely. I'm hearing to what I think businesses need. And, and so what you're sharing is not just for students. These are for businesses as well, Stephen. I appreciate you really going and opening that door for us to have that discussion. No, absolutely. And I'll say this, um, you know, I'm in phase one of um, really a two-phase business model. Phase one is direct business to families and students supporting and helping them. Phase two is a direct business to business. Uh, you've heard me talk about the, uh, the advising ratios and how poor they are. Um, you know, our next phase with Turn the Tassel Consulting Group is to be able to augment college and universities advisement staffs to improve their ratios. And so we have a whole uh, you know business plan mapped out uh, as to how to do that and get there. But you're right. You know, we do need to network and we do need to leverage people that, um, you know, have expertise in this area because just like I needed mentorship as a young man, um, you know, really, if you're a lifelong learner, you always need mentorship and there's always somebody that can help you learn and grow and get further along. And then, as I see it, the responsibility is then to turn around and be that for someone else. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, 
visit Paul Jakovitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. So that really does, it says a lot about your personal character and about who you are as an individual. We think about uh, those great stories that people say, hey, how did you start your big business? How did you become a millionaire? How did you become a billionaire? And they always start off with histories learned, lessons learned, but what really helped the individual was that mentorship, was that guidance. And you had, you had said when you were in high school, you had a mentor who helped you realize what you needed to do and you, you're able to graduate top 10% of your class. But also when it comes to scaling and growing a company, these individuals never did it on their own, but it was someone that actually helped mentor them, helped guide them. So you've led, you've had various levels of leadership along your career. You've led different areas of leadership when it comes to the education space. You've actually experienced from your own personal upbringing what it takes in order to go through the struggles of graduating, what it means to, in order to graduate on time and all this other stuff. Can you share with our audience today some of the lessons you've learned through your entrepreneurial journey as you started your own organization in order to help these individual family members, their students? Uh, can you share with our audience today a little bit about the lessons you've learned when you came through this process? Sure. Glad to do it. So I think one of the first lessons I learned is that you just don't know what you don't know. Um, and that's going back to why it's so important to allow people to speak into your life because um, we don't know what we don't know. Um, I think, you know, literally the process of getting my LLC in place and making that happen, um, you know, I had to go and, and do a bunch of Googling to figure out how to do that. Um, there are services out there that you can pay to go and do that. But yeah, I was very much on a shoestring budget when I started this in 2015. And, you know, I was doing this on the side. And I think as people think about starting businesses, you, know, you want to figure out how you can, um, you know, sail the boat close enough to the dock so that when you jump off of the job boat onto the entrepreneurial dock, you don't miss it and, and get wet. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I started this in 2015 when I was the assistant vice president of student financial services at Delaware State University. I've continued to build and to grow this thing. Um, once I became Dean of Enrollment Management, then um, Interim Vice President, and then Vice President of Student Affairs Enrollment Management. Um, and, you know, networking and building relationships in higher education 
has uh, really helped because as I'm uh, working with other individuals in the field, I'm getting a real time sense boots on the ground reality of what students are thinking and what they're facing and how best to set them up for success. And, you know, I have to say, I was shocked. I was shocked at how little people knew and were prepared for the college enrollment experience. I was shocked. Um, some of the questions I would receive at college uh, workshops that I would do when I was working for different institutions as, as an admissions counselor or um, even as I would do presentations and in, in speaking engagements uh, as a financial aid director, which I was uh, for six and a half years, I, I was shocked at how little people knew. And it just helped me to see that there was a great need. I don't remember who said it. So I have to go back and look and figure out who said the quote. But I just always remembered it in my head is that, you know, I think it was Zig Ziglar, actually. Find a need and fill it and you'll be successful. There's a great need for guidance through higher education. And it's more pressing today than it ever was because, unfortunately, higher education is not a true marketplace. It's kind of like the NFL or the NBA um, in, in the sense of these colleges, universities essentially work together to set prices so that it doesn't matter that there's tens of thousands of colleges and universities around the nation uh, and in Canada and other territories that you could go to. You would think that would drive costs and prices down because in a regular market situation, the more supply you have, right, the, the, the fewer demand, right, fewer students vying for college, folks are questioning whether or not it's a good deal anymore, right? You would think that would drive the cost of college down, but instead we're seeing it go up. It's because they're working together to keep it up, right? So um, someone has to be advocating for the families, the students, and helping them to get out of the college experience what they're supposed to. I don't mind colleges as businesses, because that's exactly what they are, uh, making money, you know, providing the service and the good of education. I have issue with them getting money off of the good of education and people not completing and people not finishing. Because if you start college university and you're taking out student loan that is guaranteed for the colleges and lifelong anvil around your neck for you, and you don't finish, you're worse off for having gone to college than you were if you never went at all. So, you know, what I talk about on my daily broadcast, uh, the Turner Tassel Show, is how you can avoid the pitfalls that stretch out your time in college, because we know the longer it takes you to get through college, the less likely you are to complete. And then I talk about ways to keep your costs down so that you're not throwing money away that, frankly, most students don't have because they're borrowing it. This is Danny. That I'm gonna say, the audience listen. College is a business. It is a business to make money, and if you're not getting the wisdom and advice from a mentor or from this specific service, the Tassel Consulting Group, you're throwing money away because you're extending how long you stay in school. You're not receiving the scholarships. And you are giving those for-profit universities much, much more money. There's a reason why it's complex to graduate. 
I remember doing a double degree at physics and mechanical engineering at Howard University. I was taking 26, 28 credits a semester to try to graduate on time. And it still took me five years. I, I mean, there was a, you have to take this course, but then you need that credit. This, this goes here, but it's only offered only once a year. And if I don't take it that time, I have to wait another year because I have to take a foreign language to get, to, to get the physics degree. Well. And it can be so confusing. And I appreciate that your service comes at a time where this is crucial. And I would say one thing to our audience, the reason why sometimes you're not successful in your business, the reason why sometimes you're not successful in your life is because you don't have the mentorship and the guidance to help you. But it's also because you don't have the education. I'm talking about the wisdom education, the knowledge education, the financial education. Can you imagine if every single parent and every single student before they went to college had this education underneath them? The urgency to finish college on time would be great. It would be amazing. I wanna ask this question. During this time, why is it a good opportunity for professionals and students and parents, but every single person to invest in their dreams. Why is it a good time to start a business, a side hustle that can become your full-time business? Why is it a good time now? Because I say, do it now. What are your thoughts on that? Sure. Um, so I, I think it's a good time now because um, so many people have come through what we hope is the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and, you know, life is short and tomorrow isn't promised. And so I think people have an appreciation now more than uh, probably ever before in our generation for the fact that, you know, we only get so many cracks at this thing. We only get so many trips around the sun. And um, so you have that reality. And then you also have the reality that many people are, uh, either unemployed or underemployed. And so if, if you're already in a circumstance where you are um, either less than employed or, or not employed at all, what do you have to lose is really the question. Um, and, and so I think now's the time for, for folks that are, have, have had it in the back of their minds, you know, I really like to go out and, and, and try this new business. Uh, you know, uh, I want to open my own thing. I think now is the time to really uh, take a serious look at it because there's a lot of support even from the federal government right now because of what's happened with the pandemic. And you can do things today that you may not be able to do uh, in the next five years. So seize the moment. Go for it. Worst case scenario, you go out and you strike out to, to you know start your own business, and let's say it fails. And frankly, many businesses do fail. Uh, within the first five years. Okay, but worst case scenario, that happens. You can always go back and apply for a job and go work somewhere. So, you know, you don't want to have any regrets. And I would say if you're going to do the rest of your life working for someone else and building wealth for somebody else, um, and you wanted to give yourself a shot and you didn't do it, you'll regret it. But if you tried and you fail, well, you learned. And you can always go back and get another job. I really want to say that I totally agree with you. I totally agree. And, 
we're a little bit older now. Dave and I have been out of school for quite a while. We look young. That, that, that's, I would have to say thanks to our, our parents for that. But you're absolutely right. Why not? Why not now? Invest in yourself a little bit yeah. each and every single day. Invest in your side hustle a little bit each and every single day. Turn it into a full-time opportunity. You talk about the opportunities that are taking place during this pandemic and why this is a good time. And you know, if it fails, go back to get a regular job. But if it succeeds, oh my gosh, you're not going to be kicking yourself. I mean, how many times have we said, man, I wish I would have invested in Apple. Mm. Oh man, I wish I had invested in, in Facebook back in the day. Oh man, yeah. I should have bought that property. But now look at it 10 times what it was. Stop that. Everybody, listen, invest in yourself right now. If you have children and you want to get the right thought process of how to prepare them from college, make sure you go to the Tassel Consulting Group. If you're in a business owner, if you're trying to move up the corporate ladder, invest by talking to David at the twin, uh, uh, DSB Leadership Group. This is the time to invest in yourself. What's, what's the little bit amount of money that can turn into millions in the future? The, that's the problem. We're scared. We've been taught by society to, to not do anything. But we should invest in ourselves, And that could be picking up a library book. Invest in your mind. Invest in your growth and your knowledge. This is the time. And I'm really grateful that you brought that up, but I just want to make sure our audience understands this is all about you. This is your time. Even during the pandemic, this is about you and invest in yourself. And when you invest in yourself, you'll be able to take that knowledge and share it for generations. You can be 82 years old and have a young child in high school and educate that individual child so that child can become top 10% in their class. So don't forget, even during a pandemic, invest in yourself also. Yeah, this is David and uh, Dan, I appreciate you sharing that. I know we both got excited to really follow up on that. And I, I just love when you hear that nugget and you realize that's the one you've got to grab and that's the one you got to hold on to. So I appreciate Steve for going there. Dan, you, you mentioned something about business owners and business leaders and entrepreneurs really going after their passion. Steve shared what that looks like. And you want to literally go from the dock to the boat, not the dock into the water. Steve, I invited you not too long ago to my own public speaking Facebook group. It's called Public Speaking for Leaders. Yes. And you came on, you shared about your history, your background, your speaking events that you get involved with the opportunities you have when you teach speaking and why it's important to understand public speaking as an asset to your own growth. I remember asking you a question. I said, Steve, do you have an elevator pitch? What is it? And I'm going to just really put you on the spot to say, what do you remember saying or what do you still use today as your little commercial to give people a picture of your company? Sure. So uh, my elevator speech is really very straightforward. I just simply say, if I could save you 50% on your college expenses, would you, would you want to listen? And I've yet to have someone say no. If I could save you 50% of your college expenses, would you like to hear more? Yes. Who would want to hear more, right? That's so who true. It, it's kind of like interesting because Warren Buffett said when he was given a presentation, people asked him, what's the most important skill set any professional could learn. He said public speaking. He said it can increase your value by 50%. And when somebody that has that much money says 50%, you, you pay listen. attention. You pay attention. And so, <laughs> 
my little niche. You said, Dave, this is this is our niche, guys. We want to help families navigate these waters. We want to help them get into college, help them save money as much as possible, and they really have the best college experience. That is amazing. And then when I tell people, I help you increase your value by 50%, and they say, well, why not? This is what this is about. And so I want to thank you, Steve, for sharing about your journey, sharing about the program that you have, the encouragement you've given to families out there, including my own, on how to find money, how to pursue their passion by investing in themselves and investing in their future. If you want to learn more about Steve and Turn the Tassel Consulting, visit his website at turnthetasselconsulting.com. He has a YouTube page. It is T, the number three, CG. So TC, T3, rather, CG. And then, of course, you can find him on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Steve, thank you for joining Twins Talking Up. Thank you for sharing your journey. And I hope that so many more families will be able to get to your focus, your company, and get the help that they need so they can also have a great college experience. Steve, thank you for joining. Twins awesome. David, Danny, thank you so much for having me. You guys are doing great work. And I look forward to coming back again sometime soon. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.